embrace the unconventional, blaze that road less traveled, and claim your freedom with the Exit to Entrepreneur podcast. I'm your host, Sean Mostrom. I want to thank you for joining us today. If we provide you any value at all, or there was an instance where we pushed you to get out of your comfort zone, please let us know about it in the review section below. And if you have an applicable story that you think people may benefit from hearing, please don't hesitate to reach out. All right, let's get after it. Jacob Goulding, welcome to the podcast. Glad you could make it on today. Yeah, thanks for having me here. So I was curious, what initially brought you into the world of real estate? It sounds like you come from a a tech background or a sales background. What what brought you to the real estate world? Yeah, so um, I got to a point, my, my background is in recruiting, so I'm a, a tech headhunter. I was living in Seattle at the time and had a couple of good years with commission and was trying to figure out what to do with, you know, this money they, and I, that I came across. So just like anyone else started literally on Google and said, you know, how should I get started investing? And so read some books on stocks, watched some YouTube videos, um, and really just didn't really connect with, you know, the idea of stocks. I thought it was kind of boring and detached and slow and came across bigger pockets. Yeah, I think I got hooked immediately after watching some bigger pockets interviews and read Rich Dad Poor Dad just like everybody else. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I think I went up on Meetup.com and and you know at the time in the Seattle area and just to type in real estate investing meetups. Came across a guy by the name of Carl Yarber. He's one of the bigger pockets guys. Um, sure. Runs the fixated on meetups or fixing on real estate meetups and just told my. She's not my wife, girlfriend at the time. So, hey, I think I'm going to go to a real estate meetup this weekend. And I just went by myself and showed up and just started shaking hands and meeting people. Say, hey, I'm Jacob. I'm trying to get into real estate investing. You know, would love to get into buy and hold rentals and, and just started to build the network and learn and spent probably six months reading books, listening to podcasts, networking and, and you know, learned how to analyze properties and, and spent at least you know, at that point, maybe another couple of months, once I knew the, that I wanted to buy a duplex, um, decided that I wanted to get into a house hack. And, so and tell us about that. What, what was your, it sounds like you've gotten a few properties now. What was the, the first investment you made? And maybe if there's any learning moment that you could share, uh, yeah. good or bad uh, to help a first time investor. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think the learning lesson that I learned the first time was to avoid shiny object syndrome. <laughs> um, it's a really big step to go from zero to one. And I knew I wanted to buy an investment property. I wasn't going to go the route of buying a, a, you know, an expensive single family home that I would eventually turn into a rental. And Seattle is an expensive market. So I, I wanted the ability to have at least a duplex so that once I got in, I would have tenants helping pay my mortgage. So, so I focused on that strategy and quickly found out that anything around downtown Seattle, I, I wasn't going to be able to afford, you know, duplexes at the time, even at that time, you know, in 2020, when I started there, they were like 700 grand, maybe even more. Right. Um, so it would have been upside down, even with the help of the tenants. So I had to look farther out, eventually landed on Tacoma, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. And had to be willing to make some lifestyle sacrifices. It wasn't the nicest area. And I appreciate my wife for, you know, following me along on that journey. In fact, I even, <laughs> I, I 
tied up the property on contract without my wife ever even seeing it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just, that's perfect. I'm sure she was happy. I wouldn't recommend that. doing that to everybody, but at that point, <laughs> I put a lot of time into analyzing properties and, you know, she trusts me at that point, which I really appreciate, but. Were you already living up there at that point? Yep. So I had been in Seattle at that point for about four years. Okay. So probably, yeah, probably about that. And so, so yeah, tied up that property under contract. And that was after I would say analyzing at least 300 deals, um, give or take over the course of, you know, Dang. two or three months, maybe and working with a real estate agent, you know, he taught me how to analyze deals using the bigger pockets calculator and starting out, you know, like it was just a really expensive market at the time, not a lot of properties cash flow. So it was almost defeating in the beginning thing. Like, is this even possible? You know, maybe yeah, this is, am I going to really find whenever? Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe this is for the, the experts that do this full time or that are really well connected each property. I was, you know, you were lucky to find one that cash flowed a hundred bucks kind of thing per door. Sure. So, you know, and it, after investing it at the time, it would have had to been 10% down, which was like, you know, it was a lot of money. It was like 50, 60 grand. So, sure. so it just took time analyzing deals until I came across, you know, this property that I thought was going to be a, a really good start. And um, even my real estate agent said, Hey, you'd be lucky if you can get 250 in cash flow per door. Yeah. And so I decided to just move forward <laughs> and really extend outside the comfort zone and and we tied the property up under contract. Couldn't raise rents at the time. It was in the middle of COVID. So, uh, but even still at that time, you know, we, we accomplished the goal of living almost for free. We were paying, I think, a total of 300 bucks a month out of pocket to live in that property, which was amazing. We went That's from, awesome. yeah, we went sp from spending almost, you know, 1800, two grand a month in rent down to only 300 bucks a month out of pocket, um, which was really cool. I was excited to pay rent every month. You know, usually you're yeah. kind of just off to go and pay off your mortgage or pay off your rent. Yeah, here's $300. This feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, here, take my money. Happy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of how we, how I got into it. It was definitely, you know, a, a lot of time up front studying and networking to get to the point of making offers and then having that get accepted. So, okay. So just, just to touch on, you know, you read, you said you read a lot of books, you joined some, a few networks. Are there any books that you would suggest? I always try and ask people this, you know, Rich yeah. Dad, Poor Dad obviously is, is, uh, is a pillar in the community, mm -hmm. but is there another book that maybe uh, helped you take the leap here or made you feel comfortable enough to actually make this happen for yourself? I started with pretty much the majority of the books on bigger pockets. I don't know that there was any one that really stands out from those books that was like, you know, this is the silver lining kind of thing. I think it's right. more about trying to understand your options, putting more tools in the tool belt so that as you, you know, go across your real estate journey, now you have more knowledge and a different perspective and different way to look at things. You know, if you only were read one book, you're only going to look at things that one perspective. So, yeah. um, everyone else's uh, perspective and opinion is, is very important. Yeah. So, you know, just, just trying to understand and read as, as much as I could at the time. And then during the day, throw on a podcast, you know, in between work and understanding different people's perspectives. I got really hooked on stuff like this, just your average Joe, your average person that, you know, maybe has a W2 or didn't come from millions of dollars or come from a rich family. And all of a sudden, you know, they have a really successful real estate business. I got really interested in learning people's stories about how they got into it. Are you, and are so you calling me an average Joe right now? 
Yeah. You're definitely not an average Joe. I'm a complete average Uh, Joe. Yeah. So fast, fast forward to now, what, what are you doing now? It sounds like you, you've uh, been able to buy a few properties. It's uh, like you've changed your strategy a little bit. What, what have you been able to buy? And are you able to share a little bit about your strategy, you know, now in 2023? Yeah. So after the duplex, uh, we lived in that property for a year turned that into a, you know, fixed it up as we were living in it. And then at the time decided that we wanted to move back to the Phoenix, Arizona area to be close to family and friends and, uh, you know, chase the sunshine a bit. So we bought a, a property here in Phoenix and um, bought it with the intention of turning it into a rental eventually. It wasn't going to be a, a right away thing, but looked at honestly kind of the same thing that we did with the duplex. We had, I started with what do I want the mortgage payment to be, what can I afford, you know, for that mortgage payment really wanted to do another duplex and, and house do another house act. Cause I loved what that experience and opportunity provided us in the Seattle market, but there just wasn't a whole lot of opportunity at the time. We, I think we moved in 2021 back to Phoenix and all of the two to four units were not in the nicest areas in Phoenix and they were really overpriced and they were all negative cash flow deals. So mm-hmm. went the other way and went, a single family route. And I just started to look at, you know, what areas of Phoenix could I get into for a, I wanted it to be a $2,000 a month mortgage payment. I didn't want to pay more than, than 2000 bucks a month. So how much house can I get for 2000 bucks a month? And then started to narrow it down based on what areas would give me at least a $500 a month buffer or spread with what the rents would be. So where can I rent this property out for 2,500 bucks a month minimum? So Ended up landing in this neighborhood um, where I bought this house now and um, been in this house now for two years. So eventually when I rent it out, I know we'll get at least 2,500 bucks a month. And I check it every now and then and make sure we're still on track there. And it yeah. <laughs> seems like maybe it's actually even gone up to maybe 27 or 28 since we bought it, which would be great. Single family? Single family home. Yeah. Single family home, pool in the backyard, across the street from a hospital. So it might even be a good right. midterm rental for traveling nurses. You know, 10 minutes to downtown Phoenix, um, you know, pretty much 10 to 20 minutes to everything, which is great. So, yeah. And then, you know, day job kept doing well and kept saving up my commissions and got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to buy another property. So joined a networking group that focuses on out-of-state investing called Addicted to ROI with Jennifer Beatles. Cool. And bought two fourplexes this past year, one in January. Um, that was a big step. Bought it sight unseen. They pull the property managers, agents, deal flow together. You know, you have you decide what criteria you want to buy. And I decided I wanted to go for a fourplex. So bought a property in Memphis, Tennessee. And and then I was the day we closed on that property, thought I was gonna take maybe six to twelve months to, you know settle in a little bit, under, learn how to be an investor and landlord from out of state. Mm-hmm. And another property popped up that I thought was a really great deal. So literally the day I closed, I texted my wife and said, Hey, I, I think I'm going to make another offer. And she goes, you're crazy, but I trust Might you. Let's well it. It. Yeah. Yeah. So got that property under contract. Got it right away though. I, I'm kind of lowballed. Well, I didn't think it was low, but I thought I made an offer based on what I thought was, was going to, you know, what this property needed to be at for the numbers to work. Sure. And the agent said, well, you know, sounds like they're going to go in a different direction, but we'll keep you posted if anything changes. 
And sure enough, two weeks later, he texts me back. He goes, hey, that offer fell through. You know, they're willing to accept your offer if you're still interested. So, you know, I said, let's do it. And then added eight doors to my portfolio within about 30 days. So not bad. And these were both, you did conventional financing or how did these properties? Yep. We did it. Yeah. The knucklehead way, just 25% down, you know, investment style loan, 30 year fixed. And these two fourplexes were both at seven and a half percent interest. So I bought these two properties because I knew that they were all going to cash flow at seven and a half percent. And so, you know, it works. works. Yeah. Yeah. 12, 18, 24 months down the road when we refi at a 5% interest, then we'll add another, you know, 200 bucks a month in cash flow. Per se. So right now they will cash flow about 500 bucks a month after all reserves, CapEx, vacancy, property management. And then we should increase that spread to about 700 bucks, maybe 800 bucks a month each after doing a refinance here in the next year or two. So, okay. so that experience brought you to a point where you were looking into more, maybe creative financing or subject to communities where yeah. there's an opportunity to buy more property maybe take over a mortgage or, you know, potentially negotiate a seller financing seller financing agreement with the current seller. Uh, where's yep. that brought you today? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I pretty much ran out of money. I'm doing it the knucklehead way, spending 25% per property and wanted to continue to buy real estate. And so um, I do have creative finance. I knew of seller finance, but I hadn't really given it much attention and, and, you know, I wanted to just keep moving forward and, and keep buying properties until I kind of said to myself, I'll get there when I need to kind of thing. And so now that I'm at that point, came across Pace and, you know, watched his YouTube videos and joined his Facebook groups, found out about Gator Lending and, and um, figured it'd be a good way to increase some income on the side sure. and then eventually, you know, get into trying to buy some creative deals. So that's the, the next goal is to get into some creative deals. Okay. And have you been able to connect or at least see how the Gator community works and you see there, do you see there's an opportunity for, you know, maybe someone that's going to help lend EMD or, you know, do some transactional funding? Are you seeing any sort of opportunities going forward here? Is that that where you're focusing mainly now within real estate? Yeah. So I just got all set up with my LLC, got the business all ready to go and, and the funding all squared away in the past couple of weeks. This past week, started doing a bunch of outreach, you know, reaching out to wholesalers directly, letting them know what services that we have to offer and what that opportunity looks like. And, you know, I've already set up a few conversations in the past week and more to come next week with people said, Hey, you know, this is really cool. It could definitely help out my business mm-hmm. and would love to talk. So working on trying to, you know, take those properties to the next step and, or not properties, those opportunities to the next step and be able to actually start funding some transactions, um, helping people grow and scale their businesses so that they're not using their own money like I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, Pace always says, if you're using your own money, it's the lowest form of investing and running a business, you know, always look for ways to scale and use OPM. And so I think this is a really cool way for somebody to get their foot in the door and learn real estate, learn the creative finance, be a part of those processes, be a part of the, those deals while also being able to make some money yourself and then help out other people grow their businesses. Um, so that's on the transactional lending EMD side. And then I've noticed that there's some PML opportunities too for fix and flippers. And I mean, it's kind of an endless opportunity anyone that doesn't 
have money or doesn't want to go the traditional way of hard money lending. You know, there's, there's lots of different ways to, you know, skin the cat, so to speak. Sure. Well, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much. You know, I think you've done a, a great job in, you know, finding some cash flowing opportunities and, you know, on, on the other side, your money could just be sitting in the bank, uh, losing value yeah. every day. So I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't call yourself uh, too much of a dummy on that one, but yes, there's, yeah. there's always a smarter way and, and more efficient way to do it. But yep. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big thing, especially probably at all stages, but especially I think for people in the beginning is that kind of the FOMO, the fear of missing out, seeing other people doing deals, watching YouTube, watching podcasts like this and, and people think like, Hey, like I need to be doing more kind of thing. Yep. And, and seeing all the different strategies, everything sounds exciting, wholesaling, Airbnb arbitrage. And there's a lot of influencers out there now talking about different ways to all the shiny, yeah. the shiny stars, objects around, you know? Yeah. Just dip your pull in the water and you'll start making 20 grand a month kind of thing. And so, you know, it's, it's really tempting to not try and chase, to try and chase all these different, different strategies. But when you talk to people who are actually successful and, and who are doing a bunch of deals, a lot of them, you don't even know who they are because they're not really putting themselves out there. They're just putting their heads down. They're just working. Yeah. But I think the, even if they're not, even if they are very public, that I think the, the theme there is that they're just consistent. They're sticking with one strategy at a time, getting that going, getting that up and running, and then pivoting and, and adding more, you know, businesses or, or, you know, ways to try and make more money or do more deals. So I think that's honestly probably the hardest part is just trying to focus on one thing at a time. That, that it is. And I have that, uh, that same issue, you know, always looking for that new shiny object. So yeah. Before we wrap up here, I just was hoping to get maybe one resource, one book, one course or community that you would shout out to someone looking to get into real estate or someone looking to bring their real estate to the next level if they've been in it for a little bit. Is there one yep. that stands out to you? And I know we can't mention them all, but uh, maybe something that uh, could provide value to the listeners. Yeah. I mean, this is probably going to sound very vanilla, but bigger pockets, I think was the biggest difference for me for yep. probably building up the confidence and the knowledge to taking that first step and taking action and buying that first deal. Um, it's really scary to try and do things by yourself, but if you can hear other stories that you know, relate to you. The cool things about bigger pockets. I mean, there's probably 600 episodes now. Like there's so much content. It's insane. Yeah. There's at least one person out there, probably, you know, 500 that you can relate to somehow. And even if it's somebody that came out swinging and bought you know, their story, like, Oh yeah, I bought 200 doors my first year. Like that sounds crazy. And they're showing, they're showing you it's possible. Yeah. 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 If you get out of your own way, but it's really easy to feel like you can't relate to those people, but there's at least one or two things in every single episode where you, you know, you can, you can pick up different lessons and apply it at least to your life, what stage you're at, regardless of what your income looks like, regardless of what your expenses look like, and then apply it to your tool belt to figure out how you should navigate your journey. Um, right. So I think just having all of those different examples helps not only from a knowledge standpoint, but really a confidence standpoint to eventually just leap on the other over to the other end and 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 take action so um, i don't think it was any one book or any one podcast oh, never is you gotta you gotta listen to a lot of different perspectives i agree yeah so yeah it's well, been great well you know i appreciate you coming on it, it sounds like you have a wealth of knowledge within real estate and is there a place where people can reach out to you maybe facebook email or or some place that you'd prefer if people are looking to get involved in real estate or we're looking to 
maybe partner on a deal with you? Yep. Just nothing crazy. Just Jacob Goulding on Facebook and Instagram. Just DM and I'm happy to chat, happy to help. Um, How do you spell your last name? G-O-U-L-D-I-N-G. Okay. Well, Jacob, I appreciate your time. And again, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You bet.